Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host. You can get me on Paul underscore football. Get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well. Joined by my ever-reliable co-host in John. Get him on Lambic Peach on Twitter. And we're going to be joined by a two-time AFLW Premiership player, Sally Riley. She's just finished up her career with the Gold Coast Suns, an emerging young team. And two premierships, and the competition's only been going a few years. Wow. Thanks for joining us, Sally. Sport Podcast. I'm joined by my good mate and co-host, John. How are you doing, John? Good evening, Paul. I'm gangbusters. Thank you very much. And tonight we're joined by someone with dulcet tones. I'll let John do an introduction, um, probably a bit closer to the person on board than I am. So go for it, John. Well, I'm really pleased to say that we've actually managed to get ourselves a special guest and somebody who's got a little bit of you know, gravitas in the sports community, especially the women's sports community. And that's um, AFLW Premiership player and recently retired, I'm pretty certain, um, Gold Coast son, Sally Riley. So welcome along, Sally. Great to hear, have you on, on board. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. And, yeah, pretty pretty recent retirement. Well, it's yeah, a well, lot more recent than your else. career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's been... Uh, yeah, five years in the system, so I was very lucky. And, um, yeah, got the flag in the season one and a part of 2019 and then with the Gold Coast Suns now. But, yeah, too old now. Had to give it up. Oh, not too old at all. But uh, so it's been a, it's been an interesting time. Uh, John and I um, follow sports more around the world. Um, big advocate for men's or women's sport. doesn't really matter. But to see... To be part of that history is something over the next few years you're going to be able to look back on really fondly and say, hey, I was, I was, just, I was with the start of something really, really big. Has that already kind of hit players yet or they're not really, uh, not really sure about that side of it? Um, I reckon you've hit the nail on the head there, Paul, where you said it, it, in a few years it'll probably hit home a bit more of, I guess, how much we are those pioneers for women's sport. I know, um, I guess even for me, I'm... I've, I'm 30 years old, so when I started my AFL career, I was 26. And, you know, when I was right up until I was 24, even 25, it was never possible. And then all of a sudden there's this women's league. And for me, I think I was in the right place at the right time and have able to, you know, have a pretty established five-year career. And I never thought that was possible. And now it just, well, my eyes just light up when I see how many girls are out there playing sport, no matter what, no matter what sport it is when it's traditionally not not a female sport, as people say, and it's just so popular now. And, yeah, I'm very lucky to have played a part in that. 
Yeah, I got to see a bit of you in uh, season one. I was living in Adelaide at the time and um, I went along to the games hoping, hoping that there would be good crowds. And the crowds were absolutely mammoth um, in Adelaide in that, in that first year or so of the competition. Did that take you by surprise at all? Yeah, to be honest, I'll never forget the, uh, the very first game we had with it, Thebiton Oval and playing against GWS. And just to have, I think, to be honest, there was probably 3,000 people there and it felt like a full MCG. We've gone from having, you know, five people there watching and with the full banner and running out and the TV coverage and everything that what the men have on their game day. Um, and that was something super, super special. And then fans just kept turning up. I think that first year that we had at the Crows when we were obviously getting some wins and everyone just loved how raw it was. I know I don't know what your thoughts were being in the crowd, but every goal was celebrated like it was Christmas. It was just so raw and all those moments that happened for the first time were really, really special. I've got the same as John. We, we absolutely love sport. We love our football. And it was another avenue to see the game I love. And to see the passion in the crowd and to be there with um, mates with their daughters and their sons, but their daughters saying, oh, I want to be out there, that my heart just burst. You know, like we're, we've been such advocates, but until you are able to see what you want to, you, you don't even know what you can achieve until you can see it. And so you guys have done that for so many girls now. Yeah. And that's just to, I guess, it, I um, still after every game, obviously the last year was a bit different with COVID, but you know, there's people there calling out your name or they've got a poster, can you sign this? Or they don't even have any idea who you are, but it's just that fan base that people are turning up and then hanging hanging around to, you know, give you a high five over the fence or, or whatnot. And that's that's definitely something really special. And I think um, just how quickly that's grown um, in terms of the very first grand final at, here at Metricon, 15,000 people and at the time we thought wow that is insane and then the 2019 grand final that I was a part of um, as an emergency over 55,000 people at Adelaide Oval and it's just that's just how quickly that it grew and people were voting by their feet you know They're, they're turning up to they're making the effort to come and support so yeah it's unbelievable how quickly it's grown. And, and you know, you, you can hear the naysayers say, oh, well, it didn't cost money to go. That's why they were getting big crowds and you got 55000 But I'll guarantee you people would have paid premium. To, I mean, I would have paid anything to see that game. And um, I think that argument's gone now, which is fantastic. There was those little obstacles that people tried to put up. Those people aren't even worth speaking to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I'll never forget... Um just on that grand final in, in Adelaide Oval, um, the amount of people that come up to me afterwards and said, you know, we couldn't even get on the train. They were, they were coming to travel, you know, an hour or from down south in Adelaide and they'd normally just use their footy ticket and get on the train, but the trains were physically that full. They couldn't even get to the ground or they had to try and drive and then there was no car parks and even them just opening up the top level of Adelaide Oval. You know, you hear these stories. A couple of my colleagues were like, you know, there was no bar open, there was no food because they just didn't anticipate there'd be that many people. So, yeah, it's those funny stories that you hear, you know, well after the event that still put a smile on the face. Oh, definitely. And uh, it's, I mean, John, you haven't been to Adelaide Oval to see cricket or anything, have you? Uh, yeah, I've been there for cricket. Oh, you have? Yeah, you've but been not there. under the new 
reaction under the old one. So you know how good the ground was then, and it's yeah. it's even better now. It's 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 unbelievable. So I'm just so happy that you got to experience that and and to have a huge crowd. And we've seen that in the women's World Cup in in the T20 as well. I think they that was a world record for women's sport, I believe. So it's just so good to see what's happening in women's sport. Yeah, it's pretty amazing now. Um... Sally, just on that AFLW one, is that what they call it now? Like they do with other sports, uh, that yeah, first season. Season one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was another one of my sporting disappointments because I'm a Lions fan, um, and oh. you know, we well, you know that. But um, it's I'm not now. Obviously, I'm an AFL Women's Sun supporter because of all the obvious reasons I've spoken about in the podcast before. But um, lucky I, lucky I, I turned um, turned my colours this year and came to the Suns with the Lions looking like actually delivering something positive to me sports-wise for the first time. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm, I'm Suns women through and through, not the blokes. Yes, good answer. But, yeah, um, I have to, don't I? But, um, you know, can I'm, I'm fascinated by Beck Goddard. It's, that's the name of your coach, isn't it, in Adelaide? What uh, was the name of the coach the first year you won? Beck Goddard. Yeah, Beck Goddard. Yeah. Like, she seems to me like a real alpha personality. And I watched that doc. There was a documentary about it too. Came out a bit later on about the first season. Um, can you tell us a bit about what she was like to work with? Because to to me, um, she kind of embodied everything that was needed in that first year of AFLW. She was a bit of blood and guts, but she was also super smart, really driven, and she was a female. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah, and there was, and that's a that's a really good docker actually. I think it's a an Adelaide Crows one, but we did. They, they made a documentary of how the team was kind of formed as well and you see a bit of an insight there of, of what she'd done behind the scenes and then the other documentary after we won the flag. But I think what Beck really bought was obviously like we spoke about before, that passion and that excitement and just the ability to to pull 30. Actually, I don't think we had 30 on the squad then. I think it might have only been 25 or 27 players on the list together who like I'd never had a proper AFL coach before being drafted that's how little you know AFL resources and AFL was known I suppose around Australia so um, she did an incredible job to to bring us all up to speed but just build that camaraderie um, and that excitement and that belief and trust that she had in us and as a team and I'm not sure whether you guys are aware but half of that of us were from Darwin in that first year and the other half were training in Adelaide. So we would literally, I was based in Darwin and I played every game that season. So I would see my teammates the night before a game and then straight after a game would be flying back to train separately. And as a head coach, it's an absolute credit to her to be able to communicate well, um, yeah, throw that belief um, into all of us. And then at the end of the day, just to have that ultimate success as absolute underdogs against the Lions Sorry, Johnny, but um, absolute underdogs in that grand final and to come away with a win is, yeah, pretty special. Just another question because you love to get inside the heads of the actual players and, and the coaches and set up. So in the lead up to that grand final, um, it was moved from the Gabba because there was a spat with the cricket, yeah? Um, oh, no, I think, and... it was, um, I think it was actually an Adele concert that was meant to be at the Gabba it was, or it was, was at the Gabba, sorry, and then it ruined the turf and then, yeah, so it was played at Metricon in the end. Did that make much of a difference to you girls going in? Because the Lions had been standouts that year, hadn't they? And did 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 you guys girls know that okay, well, we're pretty much playing them on neutral territory, and that's 
got to be to our advantage or was that spoken about? Or oh, not really, but it was. We thought this was going to affect them more than us because either way we knew we had to fly um, and we actually flew up. I think it was the Thursday, so normally we'd fly in the, you know, again, with no COVID, you'd fly in the day before. We flew in two nights before, so we could actually, um, as a group, spend time together. And Beck was the orchestrator of that. She said, we need to get these group together. So we had we had a good solid two days um, preparation and literally just hung out as a group. So we were, I think we would have been the same, whether it was the Gabba or Metricon um but just spending that time together and almost, yeah, we were so relaxed in terms of those, those nerves. But I still remember just going like, how good's this group? Like we're, we're putting in every single effort, even right now, the last week, just to get to know each other and um, really value our time together, knowing how short the season was. So like I said, we could have been playing Perth anywhere, but it was that time as, as a group that essentially, you know, was that the reason that we won? I'm not sure, but it definitely played a part in the way that we um, binded together on the day. So we did, um, Brisbane beat you in the home and away um, that season at North Adelaide Oval, I think, um, earlier in that season or? That's a really good question. I, I, to be honest, don't think we played them. It was the first season we didn't play everybody once. Mm. Or did we? Oh, I don't know. I, it was a seven, know. <laughs> I can't remember. Was it a seven, yeah, I, this one was six. Um, I think. Oh, I just. I just remember. I, I just remember being one of the. I, I'm pretty sure I was one of the only people following the Lions at North Adelaide Oval that season. Even though I'm not a Lions fan, I'm a Richmond man. But um, that's really just, hard to um, understand. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, no, I was back, living in Adelaide. I'm from. I don't I live in Queensland. A full on. You're a full on Richmond man. There was no Richmond. There was no Richmond in the comp. I was a Queenslander in yeah. South Australia at the time. So, um, so we, I can tell you now in, in my house where Richmond through and through, when they had their first win this year in AFLW, I think I cried as hard as when we won the 2017 grand final. And that's from the heart. I, I was just a mess. I couldn't believe we'd won a game. So it does mean, it does mean a lot to us. Oh, it does. And especially when you do grow up around football. Like I grew up in Victoria and, you know, you do every every Friday night you're at home, it's cold and you've got the fire going or you're having family dinner and your favourite footy team's playing and you, you ride every bump. So um, I could – that makes me – as much as it's Richmond, it does make me happy that, you know, you, your whole family was stoked that they got the win because it's definitely um, – yeah, every so much heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears goes into it. Obviously, flipping to the Suns, you know, us this year, it was really tough not getting a getting a win and you put in just as much effort as the teams at the top, but they can just, you know, that's the way sport is, isn't it? Well, we had you guys, uh, we got, we, we cursed you because uh, John and I both got onto the uh, Suns this year and said we're going to get right behind them. Um, there's connections to the club, and I think we might have um, we might have destroyed you there. I worked uh, for yeah, South Australian you cricket. Can, you can go back to Richmond and um, Lions now, so the Suns can. Yeah, get I, a think, win. I think we might <laughs> I think we might have to do that. But uh, <laughs> you had a you had a couple uh, ex cricketers and so forth in your team there as well. I think um, uh, I'm just going to go blank on her name. I feel really bad now. I'm going to have to From sub SA? this out. Yes. Oh, I want no, you to Brittany, try and Brittany, guess. Brittany, Brittany, Brittany. No, yeah, Britt Perry. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I worked with her in cricket for a while, and she was just a ready-made footballer. And I think that's, um, you know, that I think the Suns are well positioned the next few years to come back pretty hard. There's a lot of natural uh, footballers there, I think. Yeah, there is. We've got we've got a good blend um, of your older ones who played a lot more football, probably got a bit better IQ than some of the younger ones who've maybe transitioned from other sports. But you look at someone like Britt and she, you know, her hand-eye coordination is unreal due to her skills that have transferred from cricket and um, her game knowledge as well, having grown up in South Australia and around football but didn't play a whole lot. Mm. Um, so that's where still, even though the competition's five years old, you've still got those, I guess, those older heads who've grown up around it. Um, then you've got that middle branch who maybe, you know, the girls haven't played much footy or they've come from other sports. And then you've got your new draftees coming in and they've, they've played for 10 years, 15 years, some of them already. And it's just the talent and the depth of it is just growing and growing. And it's really exciting to see, um, where where the teams will end up and how good the competition will be. Are the bigger grounds um, or are the big grounds um, intimidating for some of the younger players that may may not have you know they get onto the ground they walk up and go wow this is this is really big because I know um, when I was a junior coming into the senior ranks getting on bigger grounds myself I went oh my god I have to run that distance you think that's any, yeah. did that have any impact on on some of the um, players. I don't think so. Um, just from, and I look at our young squad, that all of those girls have been playing, you know, your state league, so your Quaffle or yeah. your, your Sample W, and, and they're used to those fields. I think probably the biggest difference is adjusting each week and understanding that the game plan changes. If you're playing on a narrow field or a big wide one, okay, well, your game style, you adjust that depending on the opposition. And so that's the level that these girls come in from maybe clubland or um state level and that's that next level of education that you know you don't play the same every week week in week out um but in terms of the ground size and you know this, we've got some absolute athletes in our team that can you know outrun they're setting records for sprint times and endurance times as they come in so i don't think the size of the ground really worries them at all they're just that keen to run and kick the footy Oh, I love it. I love it. Who should we be watching out for the next few years um, from some of the young players that you've seen? Um, who are some of the people you go, they're going to be stars? Yeah. Um, there's obviously a couple in the Suns that I've just seen, obviously, firsthand. Um, not only how they go about it on the field, but just their, their character as well off it. Um, as Johnny knows, we've got Lucy Single and Maddie Levi, who were Miami High students where we currently teach and they, without being biased, they've impressed me so much in terms of their willing to learn um, and ask questions because they they know they're realistic. Their footy knowledge isn't where it needs to be for this level. So they're learning every week, every training session, just taking little bits to, to adapt and, and move with the direction that the footy is going and the way that they some of the stuff that they did on field, you know, in the highlight reels or that you saw in yep. real life, that you can't teach some of the stuff that they do, but the footy knowledge and that development you can. So they're obviously ones to watch. And then I love um, Daisy Darcy from Townsville. She's a little pocket rocket. I played with her on the wing <laughs> and she's she's another cross-coder. She's played nearly every sport, I think. Um, and she's, yeah, one to watch. Can I, I think so that's been – sorry, John. 
on that point, I, I, it's something I'd really like to 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 speak talk to Sally and ask her a question here because I'm very different to my background with um, Aussie rules to Paul. Is that I mean I came here from England to Queensland uh, as a kid um, and just came here as a soccer guy. Fell in love with the different sports that were offered in Queensland. Like I got to play rugby, rugby union league, um, played soccer and played AFL, um, did cricket. And I always felt that that was one of the real strong things about Queensland sports people, that we had this amazing ability to play every sport. It was always available. It wasn't just one thing. And when I look at, you know, Lucy and and Maddie and some of the others that are coming through, I, I think it's really – I'd like to, you know, to for people who are listening, to realise that these girls have represented Australia in – in rugby, there's hardly any dual sport international or athletes in the men's ranks anymore. And and I know Daisy was a rugby. I'm pretty sure she's played for Australia as well, if not Queensland. And I just think that they're just amazing. And and they can hop between one thing and the other. And you can see that they need to work on areas. And Sally and I've had some talks at school about you know they've got to work on this and that. But like it's like anything. When, they could come out of this AFLW season and find themselves at the Olympics for Australia rugby. And there's a pretty fair chance that at least one of those girls is going to do that. And to me, that just blows my mind, you know, like uh, how, how good they actually are. And it's been a privilege to have been involved with, with them at, at any point. Yeah, so. I, th- I think um, just on that as well that it's – it's when I, I guess it's it's catch twenty two when the kids are, are growing up and you know sometimes you can be pencil hold into one sport and then in the end you might lose your passion or you you know you're driven a little bit too hard or pushed a bit too hard um, and that's also a credit you know to our programs at school that those girls have gone through the rugby and the touch programs and then they've just given everything a go they've represented the school in AFL and it, that's that's also my biggest advice to to people aspiring to play at the top level is while you're a kid, be a kid, do, do all the sports that you can as you get a bit older, then, um, you know, it gets a bit serious in terms of that development, that skill development and that specific game knowledge that will get you further deeper into the elite competition. But um, yeah. And those girls are examples of that. And as it goes on, I think it's also a lot of people complain or, you know, it's, we're, we're managing full-time jobs with um, sport, so it is that semi-professional, but it's also, you know, a negative. I'd love it to be full-time, but you look at those girls who can maybe do be dual athletes, and if, if AFL was full-time, they wouldn't be able to do their other sports. So yeah. in the, in the meantime, yeah. Club, Sally, they're like, obviously, you know, when they draft these kids, in Queensland or New South Wales more, and I bet in Northern Territory as well, there's going to be an understanding that they're playing other sports as well. How do they, is there a, is there some kind of an understanding of that there's a balance there? Like if there's an Olympics available that we want to be supportive of that and, and be part of that as well, or is it just, no, 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 you've just got to be involved in the, in AFL and, and then go and work for the next, you know, um, 30 weeks. Yeah, because I don't think often enough to be honest. Yeah, it's um, I think each individual case is differently, and it depends on the sport and the clubs and you know the 
the negotiations and that type of thing, I think. But generally people, and again, like back in Adelaide, I played with Jenna McCormick um, who plays, you know, the A-League and representing Matildas at certain events and also chasing um, the Olympic dream as well. And she was doing both there for a while and, again, both parties recognise that. Um, so it is in that space at the moment that it's it's doable. I'm not sure how long like down the track it is obviously again we've seen the rise in our skill level the the physical and mental demands of the AFL um how long into the future is it going to be manageable as the competition rises and that gets stronger and you've got these kids playing for 10 years um I think the cross coders will there won't be as many of them further down the track, if that makes sense. Well, it makes total sense because you have to commit at some point, especially mm. if it's – look, I mean, I look at the NRL season and go, you know, they. Well, how could anyone commit to that for like, you know, four weeks? You go, what's yeah. the point? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the AFL season's obviously growing. Rugby goes on and on and on, but, like, they don't have all that comp. It's only, like, you know, shooting stars. So, I, I, I think it's – but it, it has to be an amazing time to be a young female with athletic ability because the world's your oyster. And and that's that's without even mentioning, you know, the potential of American college sport and stuff yep. like that. So it's got to be an exciting time, yeah. I wish I wish I was 15 again. Give me the red hot tip. <laughs> can do anything. You just have to keep being a PE teacher, mate. you? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm a boring old teacher now. <laughs> yeah. But that's the um that's the other avenues that we've seen. Um, you know, we saw it with um the W League in in soccer, um, where the women couldn't, the, the girls who were playing, some of them couldn't even afford boots uh, only a few years ago, and now so many of them are going to college in the US or they're playing in um the Europe Europe to- um competitions. They're playing. You know, there's just going to be so many avenues. Where I think AFL has an ability to uh, grow uh, in the women's sport is fantasy football. I'm not sure if that's something you guys are into, but it's it's worth 148 billion worldwide, and there's the biggest competitions in the world didn't even have female uh, fantasy competitions, so they've only just come in the last few years, and that could be another avenue to make a fair bit of money there for the competition. Probably threw you off guard there a bit. Yeah, but, I was uh, like, oh, I've never thought of that. But, yeah. <laughs> I used, to, I used a... to do fantasy footy back well before like, when I actually had time. <laughs> but if you think about it, I mean, it's a $148 billion industry and growing every year, right? And there was no uh, women's fantasy um, sporting competitions in the whole world. And two Aussies actually started one up called She Plays. So there's going to be uh, so many different avenues. Sponsors, I mean, I look, we look at a friend of ours, um, his daughter, Hayley Razzo, who plays for the Matildas and played all over the world. I think she plays for Everton at the moment, Yeah, I think. Yeah, she does. Yep, she plays for Everton. She had, she was, she almost quit football uh, a few years ago. She, she couldn't afford to pay her rent. And now she's, you know, on good money playing in Europe. So there is, there is that hope there that the AFLW does become a full-time competition. I can't see long-term, why not? Fingers crossed. Absolutely. And toast. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like watching it because I, I actually, one of the things I do enjoy, the difference between men and women's sport is I find that, I don't want to speak out of term, but I, I find that I love watching the technical aspects of women's sport because everything's not governed by just brute force and size. And, 
you know, I and speed. I, I, I that's why I like cricket. I enjoy watching women's cricket. I really enjoy women's football, and um, obviously I enjoy women's rugby. Um, but I, I, I enjoy the AFL because I feel it's a little bit more of looking back at the way I liked um, AFL when I was younger. Um, you know, not constant, just gut busting runs up and down, back and forth. You know, yeah, you know, not everything's. It's not bottled up all the time. And uh, and that's why I think I really enjoy watching it. So, anyway, I'm not sure. I, I, I think where they get more time, you know, um, working on it. But hopefully, it doesn't because I much prefer AFL of the 2000s when the Lions are winning three premierships. Than I do now. I, I can tell you now, Sully, I wouldn't get on the field after seeing some of the hits this year. I think the physicality has risen to a new level. The athleticism and physicality. Some of the biggest hits I've seen in football in the last few years have happened in AFLW this year. There were some huge hits. Yeah, there definitely is. And like fitness results and, and everything, the endurance. The, the girls are getting more, again, you know, I look at, let's say, my uh, Adelaide Crows teammates. They've had five years in the system now. So they're starting to under, they're not starting to, but they're getting a really good feel of how their body needs to be and how far they can push themselves. So, um, yeah, and it'll be the same for the sons that we've got, you know, we're two years into the competition now and those those girls who it's their first year, good five years' time and they've done it, they've had a solid off-season. Yeah, I'd hate to think how big the hits are going to be, within reason, obviously. Well, <laughs> well within reason, of course. And I think we need a uh, grand final down at the MCG, the Suns and Richmond, in a couple of years' time. Oh, the crowd would be huge. I, I, I could see that being 60,000, 70,000. How crowd. good would that be? I'll be front row. <laughs> okay, I'll be there with you. Lock Can it I in. Sally, um, and it's, it's without notice, Sally. If they were formulating the inaugural women's AFLW Hall of Fame and you had two votes, who would be the two <sighs> girls you'd put straight in from the first five years as the as the as the greatest AFL women's footballers at this point, forget about what happened before the comp yeah. started. Up about who started, but they didn't do much. I like Collingwood <laughs> players, but you know, I reckon it might be the the two number one, the two two one A one B. I I was like, this is a hard question, but then I actually think about it and go, no, this is really easy, especially for my first choice. Um, definitely, Aaron. Yes. Phillips. Yep. Um, had to be having Phillips. played yeah. alongside her and obviously just seen what she's bought and, you know, I'm sure no doubt the women's Brownlow will be named after her or something. I don't know. But she's literally achieved everything, yet she's still so goddamn hungry out there. You watch her week in, week out, and what she's done in the past means nothing. It's like I am playing to win this premiership with these girls and, yeah, it's pretty scary God how long she can go on for. I thought she was done after she did her ACL and then she just keeps coming back and back and performing really well. She looks as fit as anyone I, I, I can imagine ever. I, I don't know who else you'd put up there in the first five years. There'd be a lot of people like Brianna Davies and people like that who would be around about the mark. But I think Erin kind of stands out at the moment. And then there's, a, you know, like for me, um, I think there's a whole yeah. group of players that are close. In second, I don't know how yeah, to put a second it's person tricky in there. And there's, um, again, you'd look you'd look at those ones that have been there since day one, and I suppose whether they're um, 
like some of the best players, just like in the men's, they they haven't won a flag yet or a women's best and fairest yet. They're just solid contributors over the over the years. The difference is, I think we're season five, but I think the record games holders probably at like maybe thirty five, maybe forty ish, if yeah. that games because we don't play so many. So you know, and even that, though, yeah. Daisy Daisy Pierce would be Daisy oh, Pierce would be up there oh, over the first five the years. That she's come back after her pregnancy. Like, it's talk about a pioneer <laughs> and a hall of famer. She'll hundred percent be in there when there is one. <laughs> that they'd be the ones up there that I'd have uh, any, any any names you got there, John. You want to throw? No, I was up? here if you were going to mention Daisy Pierce. I'll, I'll, I'll just put in Sally Riley. Yeah, yeah. No, dual premiership player. <laughs> And a, and a little known fact, also um, a successful um, rugby coach. Yes. <laughs> one time, one from one. <laughs> that's it. I, that's, the, that's, that, that's the same number of wins as you've got at Metricon, isn't it? Oh, I, actually, I, you know what? I don't think we even won when I coached that day. I probably shouldn't be admitting this. You won a grand, <laughs> you won a grand final. Well, it doesn't say anything, yeah. You won a grand final. Well, the guy... The Gold Coast Suns have won as many games as Brisbane have in the men's competition this yeah, year. Yeah, you're right. Look at you guys making me feel better. I don't, <laughs> I don't mind so many starts. Yeah, it's all about how you finish. As long as you finish. So it's right, been... Sally. There's a big finish. Absolutely. So, um, how did you feel when the um, when you got chaired off the ground the other day? Talk about fast finishes. Like, Was that a shock to you or were you expecting it or was it? Set up? Um, how did that go down? Oh, I don't think I've ever been so awkward in my life. I was like, well, how do you do one of these? And they nearly tipped me over and then I didn't know where to look or what to do. I was a bit – I was really uh, – I thought it was such a great gesture, but I was also like, oh, God, too many people looking at me right now. I'm not sure what to do. Um, but, no, <laughs> I I told the girls on Wednesday um, – so internally we all we all knew that it was going to be my last game um, – and then, yeah, just after the game, a couple of girls grabbed me and was like, no, we're cheering you off. And one of them tried to do it from the middle and I was like, don't you dare, too far. Um, but that was really lovely. That, <laughs> and obviously Astro Connor, another another one of the pioneers that, that called her um, retirement as well. It was, yeah, I think I'll look back on that and it's pretty special to be chaired off together with the Geelong players as well. I was going to actually ask you who you think think will win uh, the title this year, but I think you've actually uh, finished it off as beautifully as you could um, being chaired off. Um, so I'm going to say that Brisbane Lions Ooh. are going to win the premiership this Dunno. year. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's a tough one. It's that, that, the unbelievably top six is close. Like I think, what, the top four have had seven wins. They've all lost two. And then the fifth and sixth, yeah. have, they've lost three for the year. So I think if, yeah, you've definitely got – nothing to do in the school holidays or Easter, there's going to be some cracking games of footy. So, and I don't, I don't know who is the top one of those. I've obviously got a bit of a soft spot for Adelaide, but, um, you know, Collingwood have improved really well. Um, and Brisbane, they were unfortunately unreal when we played them. So, <laughs> well, I suppose Brisbane's are <laughs> Queenslanders, but they're our enemy, so don't want them to win either. Not sure. <laughs> well, 
As long as it's not Collingwood, <laughs> uh, I think everyone in my house will be. Oh, the, the Collingwood coach I used to he used to coach me in South Australia, so I'm like, oh, I've got a bit of a soft spot for them too now. <laughs> You're covering all yeah, the top three bases there. Wrong. Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure. No. I hope we, I hope you'd uh, like to come back on, and we can be a bit more professional next time with you, and um, just see how the uh, the one for one record in rugby's going. See if you can step up and get a couple more wins. Um, any final things to say to our female listeners at all um, about go- getting out there and, and, oh, and actually um, playing the game? I think, well, firstly, thanks for having me. It's been great. Um, and, yeah, I think if you're contemplating it, and this is any sport, not not just AFL, but there's so much on offer and have, yeah. have a go. And there's that many divisions out there now as well. You can be, you can be five, year old, five years old or 45. There's definitely a, a team and a club somewhere near where you live, wherever you are in Australia these days, which is which is so great to see and, and hear of. So uh, my best advice is have a go and have fun. Nothing better than kicking footy with a mate. <laughs> oh, stop. I want to go outside and kick it now, but yeah, I'm in lockdown do here and I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Exercising with strangers. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the pod. John... Thanks for joining us on the Love Sport Podcast. John and I had the pleasure of talking to Sally Riley, two-time AFLW Premiership player. You can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can get me at Paul underscore football and John at Lambic Peach. This has been the Love Sport Podcast.